The final tinies. The final tinies. Welcome to the final tinies. Hello and welcome to the final Tiny Plastic People podcast of the year. We spent the last year painting things, playing with them, and telling you why we think that's great. And here today we've got the editorial team from TPP, which is myself, Rich. We've got Drew. Hello. And we've got James. Yo, yo. So we're going to take this opportunity at the end of the year to have a bit of a chat about our first year what went well what didn't go well what our plans for the future are and we're going to intersperse that festively with some individual catch-ups we had from some of our contributors about what they enjoyed about the year and what they're looking forward to next year it turned out that 2020 part two which was called 2021 was fine to do everything online in we did it for one year we continued doing it for another year yeah. It was great. Just reaching out for new horizons of entertaining ourselves on the internet. <laughs> no longer is it enough to just do hobby hangouts or play computer games. Now we must must spread our opinions. Exactly like like thin butter on toast. Yeah. Here comes some hot takes. Melting. We cried. <laughs> well, I guess um we don't really have much for structure for what we'd like to say about TPP, but um, in no order in particular. James, how do you think it's been? How has year one gone? I like running a website. It's fun and hard and other things, but it is generally good. It is a thing that we made as a little community, and it's very lovely to see it kind of come together as a place where people can have articles, they can have podcasts, such as these, and it's generally just been like a really nice distraction from the world, and it's been like kind of good to have something which is adjacent to doing hobby, which isn't entirely doing that hobby so it's more just like taking some time to talk about the things that are actually important and also yeah thinking about the like the kind of like the general more like the the state of the hobby sort of thing things at the same time as actually doing some hobby and yeah not making it just games and painting and building and stuff it's always good to yeah yeah keep i think going. it's it's um it's nice to have the option when you don't feel like doing some painting or building uh, to do something hobby adjacent that isn't going on a website and buying something to be delivered <laughs> to your house. Backloading that, that hobby buzz by just purchasing something. You can, you know, go and edit an article or brainstorm an article or, you know, do a podcast. Yes. Just talk about what you're enjoying or what you're not enjoying and why you're not. Um, yeah, it's been really thrilling really i'm particularly proud of the podcast as well i really like the podcast i think it's fun i think it's good so yeah yes because we didn't set out to do a podcast as a default we set out with the sort of website in mind and then the podcast grew off the back of it really didn't it Um, yeah yeah i think if we look at our 
listener listenership and readership numbers we're um you know we're by no means anything other than the smallest of fry but the the podcast seems to get more universally a good reception than articles necessarily do like people have people have written and produced some amazing write-ups for us and uh, they individually seem very popular and go down well with people but i'd say we maybe consistently get better podcast listener numbers than we do individual article reads maybe maybe that's because the podcast's more general and consistent than you know not everyone's mm-hmm. going to be interested in yeah and we kind of fell into a format as well doing it where we would ask well we started out doing like test podcasts to make sure that it was a thing that people would like to do and people could uh actually do as well with microphones and recording and audacity and all that and video calls etc and once people got used to that that's when we started releasing the podcast as actually a thing we actually have hidden episodes which we never released and probably won't because i can't remember where i put them there's probably some gems in there somewhere (laughs) probably probably occasionally people do talk about that oh yes i talked about this on a test podcast do i have to talk about it again it's like yes yes you do because i'm not releasing that so (laughs) I think the format which we kind of fell into where we asked people to actually bring subjects to the table which they were actually passionate about and want to talk about and then cycle through it. I think that's a really good like sort of structure for a community podcast in particular. Like we invite people from like our groups which we know and know and love um, to come on the podcast and talk about those things um, if they want to and if they've brought up something on like our Discord channels and things and we think, hey, that's worth having a conversation about then it's uh, like an open format to do that. It's definitely much easier to have those conversations in person even if that's a video call in-person conversation for a recording it's definitely easier than losing some nuance in the text chat, right? So... Um, it's a good opportunity for people to get their their thoughts down on paper in a controlled environment. <laughs> Mostly controlled. <laughs> I mean, you can't interrupt it with just a gif of Captain Hulk saying vindication or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think the advantage, or certainly the you know the goal of Tiny Plastic People, was to come out and provide quite a sort of wide range of voices, wasn't it? It's not a sort of you know, we're not unified, I don't think, in any particular way we like to talk about the hobby or way we like to experience in the hobby. And that shows in both the articles and also the sort of podcast that it's, you know, particularly with the rotating host format of the podcast, it's a chance for lots of different people to have a say and quite a few different sort of points of view to be expressed, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think we were very keen with all of it that it didn't and doesn't become just like an extension of ourselves as us three and previous editorial team members that we've had as well who've moved on to bigger and brighter things we don't just want it to be like our blog what we let some other people write on it's um yeah it's supposed to be this truly collaborative anyone can do it thing you know, without going into sort of the details, there's obviously quite a lot of talk at the moment in the sort of the, the hobby sphere, I suppose, about sort of, I don't know, the, the kind of things that go on and how things are presented. And uh, I think it is important to have platforms that do kind of give people a, a chance to talk about stuff 
in a kind of a meaningful way that isn't just sort of a an echo chamber i suppose um yeah uh, yeah absolutely um i feel like we've got a pretty strong website position or team position on uh, a political curve at least when it comes to things like fascism in hobby but you see all the time on social media there are so many positions even within that quarter of an alignment chart as to how things should be presented and how things should be interpreted that there's so much room for discussion still and yeah creating that room rather than just saying we think this bye (laughs) tune in next week is really really good i think yeah very true it's sort of and you know and even on the spectrum as well of sort of between sort of narrative and competitive play and stuff i mean i think of us three you're maybe the most competitive of the players which also competitive scene players uh a damning indictment if ever there was one (laughs) (laughs) but you know certainly we've had people on the side who are quite sort of involved in yeah, I was going to say war cry, which is a sign of how much I know about the sort of more competitive goes. Uh, Underworlds is what I was thinking for. We've had some yeah. sort of articles by quite a few sort of Underworlds players, and uh, yeah, and we've had a like focus chimps. on that side of things. We've had chimps, competitive or more competitively minded Age of Sigmar articles as well. Um, and then you also have the other end of things where it's someone explaining they've built their army because of a narrative that they've created in their head and that's why it exists and looks like this and yeah again it's great to sort of non-critically present both of those viewpoints as valid and uh, i mean they don't have to be opposing viewpoints by any means and they're certainly not in some of the people i know but um i think things get boiled down a lot to are you gaming or narrative yes it's nice to have pigeonhole isn't it that you can just conveniently <laughs> pop everything into Shall we get on to a a more festive bent and maybe introduce our first set of special guests? Or Yeah, let's do it. So I sat down with uh, Tom G and uh, Joseph earlier this week and we caught up about their hobby highlights and such. So over to Pass James, maybe. <laughs> Okay, well, I don't know who invited you to, so tell me who you are and why you are here. I'm Tom, also known as Respectable Geek. And I'm Joseph, also known as Game Scholar. Well, it sounds like you fine gentlemen would need to know that I'm James and I'm going to introduce you to the rest of the Tiny Plastic People Towers. But again, because of COVID security, you get to look at them over there having fun. And I guess that I'll entertain you for a bit and we'll discuss things about, I don't know, you, do you like Warhammer? Well, I've been on a podcast about Warhammer several times, so I'd hope so. I like the meme of Henry Cavill going, it's Warhammer, Graham. Excellent. And I can stop being quite so passive-aggressive, which it turns out is the only thing that occurs when I have to riff Christmas parties off the top of my head. It's just becoming an arsehole, it seems. Anyway, I guess this is the time when in which we talk about things that happened in this year of 2021 and su- such and sorts. So... Uh, where should we begin with these things? We have some vague questions which we can talk around. Things like, 
What is the favourite thing you've done this year? What highlights do you have from games and things? What are your releases of the year? And do you have any plans? So, that's a lot to suddenly unpack all at once. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Tom, tell us, uh, what's been your hobby highlights of this year? Well, I think I should first make an honourable mention to my um, Imperial Knights conversion, which I've talked about on the podcast before, the Knight's Castle, where I decided to make it twice as tall as it was previously by putting a um, diorama on top of it with a hollow table and everything, which is which I was really proud of, and it's my largest model. But my, I think my actual highlight of the year, painting and modelling-wise, was right at the start of the year, I did a New Year New Army challenge. And I decided to paint an entire Nighthaunt army in January. Um, and that took me about 24 hours over the course of the month to take paint 70, 75 models. And I've never really done speed painting before, so it was a bit out of my normal comfort zone of trying to do a whole load of models really quickly to a standard I was happy at, happy with for for the tabletop rather than for... Just, I'm, I'm never someone who's going to do models for um, winning competitions or anything. But thinking, can I do this quickly and effectively and do this all this month? And I did. And I think I worked out, it's, I spent an average of about 10 minutes per model, which <laughs> dry brushing dry, dry and contrast paints, basically. And the Nighthawk models in particular are so good for just, like, I basically painted them black, dry brushed them white, and then put the two um, special Nighthawk paints over the top of them and then did a bit more highlighting and a bit of details in places and it looks really effective on the table as someone who's never really completed armies it was really satisfying to go wait i've just done a huge number of models here and that's actually achievable and they look good they are they are nice on the table um i haven't actually used them in a battle yet i, I need to play age of sigma <laughs> at some point but and i also need to add some more models because um because mortal realms magazine kept sending me more night haunt it's terrible <laughs> terrible place to be i mean how awful yeah how dare they keep sending me more models and there's all these nice undead being released this year as well so i need to do do more with them at some point but as a challenge it was just really nice hmm joseph you ahead uh so i was thinking about you know we're coming up towards the end of the year as as it approaches thinking what did i complete this year and i realized a lot of what I completed this year, I have the terrible idea of I should go back to it and improve it. So I have some completed goblins, but I'm going to go back and do more with the completed goblins, because I decided they, they should be rustier, mainly. More rust. I mean, everything could be rustier. Yeah. I, I'm uh, all in on that. Uh, so I guess what I finished is I, I did manage to finish some Space Marines. I think they are done. An army isn't done, but individual squads are done. Just needs a bit more expanding. Um, but I think like in terms of like hobby highlights, some of my hobby highlight is just like seeing some of the things that's happened in other people's hobby, especially like seeing all the weird little projects that have been like ticking along the background of the community. Something gonna take off like turnip, sludge, World War wield, that sort of thing. Just kind of suddenly going, oh, they're popular now on a small miniature game scale, at least. But you know, it's kind of cool to see these things sort of take off and then go, 
oh, do I want to buy like 50 quid worth of Napoleonics and just stick some tree bits to them? Dangerous. Sounds like you do. Like that thought seems to be everywhere at the moment. It mm-hmm. feels it's definitely in my head. I don't know quite how to rectify it, other than that I would definitely be buying them to turn them into little turnip people. So I'm tempted by sludge because then I can have a weird republic of horrible oil people. They're all like Baron Harkonnen coming out of the oil. Yes. Oh, and then it's Dune as well, and. We all know how... Anyone who's heard me on previous podcasts knows that I will bring up Dune. It's, it's been done. It's, yeah. It's, it's occurred. Dune, James, has, Dune James has broken the Dune seal. <laughs> the Dune seal is open. Let's now talk about House Atreides. There's lots of really good 3D printed Fremen and Saudakar Dune 2021 miniatures on Instagram. And they every time I see them, it's a different hobbyist. So it's like there's at least four or five people who I follow on Instagram alone doing really cool 3D printed dune minis i'm gonna actually jump in and say i've seen a lot more 3d printing this year a lot more you know how everyone was saying that ah, it's not really that much but i've seen more and more stl files of actually stuff where i'm like hmm that that's actually pretty cool just the other day i was looking at someone who had created like a kickstarter for like zone mortalis bits which fit into the necromunda zone mortalis to give it a bit more you know extra bits and bobs and i was like oh that that's dangerous stuff that is that's like catnip to me yeah because because what i love about 3d printing at the moment that people are doing is the extra bits the add-ons so it it's like the um custom shoulder pads people make nowadays for space means is the obvious example but as you say gubbins for terrain just little different heads different bits add-ons to what we've already got because i always felt that the quite uncomfortable i think with this sort of oh yes 3d printing will just replace the what is coming out of games workshop and the other miniatures companies and oh we'll just recreate that and that's that's not interesting to me i want to see what people can create themselves rather than copying someone else or stealing from other people frankly but um there's a lot of good stuff that i'm willing i'd be willing to support and get a printer for if i actually had somewhere to put it um that is just the here's a thing I felt was missing and I'd like to put out there. And I think that's much more exciting to me. Yeah, it's very much like it's really become a... Um, I'm trying to think of the right word for it. It's the... I was going to say ad- addendum. I don't think it's an addendum to hobbying, but I guess it's kind of is. I don't know, maybe it is. It's like the... Sprinkling. It's, like, it's an expansion. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's like a plug-in for your, for your hobby software mm. and it creates just that little bit more like exciting and personalization which is what loads of people are after anyway it's just a different way of achieving that so very much not to downplay the people who've been doing 3d printing for longer because it probably literally is just i did not see the cool stuff yeah it really feels that like the quality of 3d printing has caught up to like small manufacturer resin or small manufacturer Mm. metal whereas before there was a tendency for it to be either very Ed Sheeran in that one photo knockoff <laughs> Space Marines, or like theoretically well produced, but why does that lizard have breasts? It's a question we all ask. It really feels like it's broken away from that. Like Saint Decent is doing a load of really cool 3D printed and then 
uh, uh, stuff because they do a lot of the turnip bodies and helmets. Yes, it, it's been really nice to see on the community side of things like the more smaller games, like well, mm. more niche games or things like that. Just like the echo chambers in which they exist in, in Instagram with their hashtags and things are actually suddenly much larger echo mm. chambers with things. And those echo chambers are pulling in people from around the hobby more and more to create potentially the same echo chamber as everyone else. But it's a fun place to be. So, hey, that's mm. how the Internet works. No. Yeah, because places like Instagram are very good for sharing things. I mean, oh, that's something I haven't seen before. And I think there's also good hobby websites out there which do just collate things from all over the place and go, oh, yeah, this is something cool. And you go, oh, that looks cool. Or you're on Discord because someone goes, oh, look at this. That's cool. And you go, oh, that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Is that my next project? <laughs> hmm. Well, we'll sit there. Anyway, um, what about events? Have either of you actually been to many events this year? Well, not, I have not. Um, not. Not events. I mean, or or like, uh, I guess game highlights of the year because events didn't really start until. I mean, I, I did I'm go gonna to say June. I mean, I did go to a very exclusive event in June, actually, in my back garden. That's the best kind of event for this year, I think. Yeah, um, I host, hosted a game of Apocalypse in the back garden for me and a few friends. Um, because Apocalypse is one of my favourite games workshop systems, and it was my my birthday, so I thought, yeah, let's have a nice game of Apocalypse. And there's a few things I'd do differently next time, but hopefully there will be a next time. But just getting large numbers of models out on the table and throwing them, well, not literally throwing them at each other, but um, throwing them across the board at each other and is a lot of fun and a great way to spend an afternoon. And with the, the current set of Apocalypse rules, which I highly recommend to anyone who can still get their hands on them, you can actually do it in a, in a few, few hours over the course of a day rather than that size of game taking a week. <laughs> and, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I, I do need to run it again at some point because I've now got an extra knight to put into the, onto the battlefield. And as much as I'd like to use my knights in main 40k, it, it sometimes feels a bit cruel. I don't often have that size of game, so... The main arena for them is going to be Apocalypse. Yeah, they're perfectly suited for the really, really big games. And Apocalypse is so good. It's such a shame that there's not been... I'm sure probably this time next year we'll be talking about, oh, wasn't it great that Apocalypse 2 came out? Because, like, Kill Team 2, it seems like the next step, probably a new version of Apocalypse. I don't know how well it did, but it was very good. I really enjoyed the game which we've had of it. I mean, if they do do a new Apocalypse, I hope that they keep a lot of the mechanics they've got of the current one because I think there was a lot of backlash, unfortunately, against it because it really moved away from base 40k and used very different mechanics. But for me, that's actually one of its real great strengths because mm. old Apocalypse is always tr- always about trying to um, take your, ga- your games to 3,000, 4,000 points using the same basic rule set, and that was just unmanageable. Whereas these, No, it doesn't work. Whereas these sets... Of rules did actually make it work and if people are interested in apocalypse there is a um, community out there which is doing more um more data sheets for the models that have been released since the games workshop last updated so you can actually get ah. things which are as balanced as you need them to be for apocalypse available through there that's been my uh biggest complaint is that they just 
said that here's your data sheets, but then they didn't add anything new. And as an AdMech player, that's like half the codex now. <laughs> so Yeah, so. I think they did like one or two updates and then it just went silent. And it's such a good system based on, well, feeling like it's coming from Epic. And also what they've done with Kill Team lately as well, like just completely uh-huh. diverge and just have it as its own game system kind of works the other way too and i think maybe apocalypse was the thing well i guess it was warcry really but apocalypse and warcry gave them the confidence to say actually what if we commit to these other systems which are more suitable for smaller games like let 40k ninth be 40k ninth let kill team be kill team and let apocalypse be apocalypse joseph you've been up to much this year in our lord 2021 the only game I've played in over... No, wait, that's not true. The second game I've played in over a decade was this year, but it was on Tabletop Simulator, as many of us, I think, experienced that. Uh, but I did experience the absolute glee of advancing both one unit of goblins and one mangler's quig, and the mangler's quig moving slower than the goblins, which is the... Tr- and on the other flank, another mangler's quig outpacing everything else on the board by a factor of two. It literally moved double the inches of of the next fastest moving unit in the entire game and completely chomped a Stormcast Lord something or other. I can't remember. It was Dines' Lord something. And uh, he got stomped on by a mangler. But uh, it was good fun. Yeah. I've developed a great love for Mangler's Quake, so I should figure out how many can I put into a single army. I've yet to build any. I'd love one. I think that's the next thing I've... One of my upcoming... Oh, it's cheating going to my plans for next year, but I think I want to double down on Gloom Spite. So, mm-hmm. Mine are all troubles. going to be converted walking houses, because that's the one that I've built so far, and the second one I'm partway through building are converted walking houses. I just need a bunch more plastic art tubes to build the legs out of. <laughs> Have you considered trying to build one out of... Or like... Uh, an even bigger one out of like the Lord of the Rings house, the oh, the Lake yes, Town house. Yes, yes, I have. My favorite kit. Very much. Oh no! I could build two out of one house, break it in half, so you can see inside the house. James, you've just made me a happy person, and also occupied six months of my hobby time. Yeah, because who who's living inside the house? Uh, mostly goblins. I'll need another box of goblins to hide inside the Fill house. with goblins. Mm, we'll see. We'll see. Anyway. Let's talk about some of the releases this year. I wonder if uh, anyone can remember what's actually come out this year. Because when it comes to a year, I don't know what I did last month when it comes to me, personally. On our walk here, Tom suggested looking up the Sunday previews for the year. So I just did that. Just scroll through the Sunday previews. And that worked quite well. I mean, it's amazing that you got Signal out here in uh, Tiny Plastic Towers. Yeah, it is quite an isolated location. It's almost like you didn't want us to find you. No, no. There was so much this year. Including things I forgot. And also, stuff that I'm not even sure I saw references to in the headlines for the Sunday previews. But I know came out this year, like the mini guard refresh sprue, which gives the Cadians new heads and guns. Did anyone else remember that? Because I only remembered what I noticed. I didn't see it in the Sunday previews. Wasn't that the same day as they announced the Gaunt's Ghosts 
box. I, might have been. So, so it might have been in the Ghost I Return. I remember it being announced, and I remember they been saying it sneaking out, but they didn't say exactly when. It was just like, and then the rebox of the Cadence just was there. A bonus. But then the two traditional classic Warhammer armies got full range refreshes, or near to full, because vampire counts, because that's what Soulblight mm. is, and orcs! Mm. Space orcs! Just got, like... New beast snaggers, new squig running things, and just new orc boys. Yeah, I mean, with the vampires. So my pick for release of the year was the vampires because they are such nice models. And Games Workshop's got a really unique take on vampires, and I just really love them as a aesthetic. And it's very unique and very ornate and over the top, but very Warhammer. And the vampires just really nail that aesthetic. Um, I mean, both the ones which were released through for Underworlds, that, that box that, that came out this year, the ones that came out in um, the Cursed City, which is... Um, and the whole range as well, and the special edition one they released just, just the other week. So I really think that Undead are the way to introduce people to Warhammer and say, right, here's the Warhammer take on the Undead. Here's what they look like. Here's what we're doing here. And how to show people the Warhammer aesthetic is to go through the undead and because the vampires are clearly vampires but also very clearly Warhammer I just really love them and I'm, I've got a few of them and I just need to work out what colour to paint their armour because I keep changing my mind I think that if I have to pick my my one favourite release of the year it's actually something kind of offbeat because it's the one release that made me go not only do i want these models i want to start an entire new aspect to my hobby i want the new space marine planes i turns out i love a fire raptor and i love a xiphus interceptor or xiphon interceptor they're like double the size i thought they would be they're chunky little beasts aren't they i thought they'd be like like really dinky like about the size of a space marine torso, but no, they're about the size of a space marine. And I mentioned this to my partner, and she's like, but you don't like planes. I'm like, I didn't. I do now. <laughs> and I'm like, the rest of the range is like, yeah, they're nice. But these are the ones that make me go, oh, well, maybe I do want to get into aeronautica. Mm. And I had been always like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, it sounds like the mechanics work really well. You know, they've taken some stuff from other systems that are known to work really well. And, you know, yeah, I could kind of see maybe, like, getting a bunch of vultures and valkyries and kind of doing, a, like, a, a Katachan drop force sort of thing. That could be cool. But then I see the Space Marines was like, I have plans. So many plans. I mean, Aeronautica is one of those games that Games Workshop increasingly does now, which is great, which is you only need half a dozen or so models to have a full force and feel mm. you've got everything you, you want. And that makes it quite viable to go, okay, I'm going to have my space beam planes and I'll get some orc planes as well to fight, fight them against. And if if I want to to rope someone into a game of Aeronautica, I've got two forces that they're ready to go. Mm, yeah. Uh, I, I do like that there's this... There's also an expansion in the, like, kinds of game you can play still within the GW world. Like... Now, this isn't coming out this year, I think. It, isn't Dungeon Bowl strictly next year? I think... No, it's out, it's out now. now. It's out yeah. now? Yeah. Yeah. That's all sudden. But also, 
it's a cool thing. It's like, it's a party game of dungeon crawling and American football. That's a great idea. I mean, admittedly, it's an existing great idea, but... Yeah, I, it's something that's been around for a long time. Decades. I never thought it'd come back again. But mm. yeah, I mean, in terms of being a surprise release, it was, I think, I think it was released like a week or two after it was first announced. It's like, mm. and here's Dungeon Ball. It's like, oh, I'll come out, out next week. What? The same with uh, Warcry. Warcry. Oh, yeah. That... Uh, Red Harvest yes. came out basically the week after they officially announced it. They teased it a little yeah. bit, like saying something's coming from Warcry, but, but it was very much just like, and uh, here it is. And what they hadn't shown was all of that terrain, which is sitting on big sprues behind me. Yep. So, mm. I mean, the terrain, uh, yeah. The terrain was a large part of why I got that box because it's such a nice. I mean, I'm Warcry in general is a really nice game, and one I want to play more of, which we'll get to at some point in the plans for next year. But it came out as like, oh, I, I really want, I really do want this, and. I mean, I would have bought Dungeon Bowl had they not released Warcry. <laughs> How dare they? Because, <laughs> of course, we had Age of, Sig- Age of Sigmar 3 mm-hmm. this year. We did, indeed. And Dominion, and that was Indrasta. a nice set. Yeah. I just, I mean, I almost, this isn't strictly a game or event, but just being on uh, our uh, Discord, our, our Role Models Discord, the day Indrasta was announced and seeing the reactions come in, even from people who weren't watching the stream of just like, <gasps> and that was just everyone's reaction. Like she's so cool. And then also seeing like the amazing rulebook art of her leaping into a Canyon of chaos. Mm, yeah. And that was so strong. That was like, Indomitus had like a strong launch, mostly because it was 40k, and you know we were excited by the idea of more Space Marines, I guess. But when they showed off those new Stormcast, mm-hmm. and I don't know if I've gone on record saying I didn't really like Stormcast very much before, something about the proportions, something about the way they looked, or whatever. But I didn't really like them before. But I did buy Dominion because all those new ones in their fancy, tall, slightly thinner armor just look absolutely incredible and then led by Indrasta which is just I wonder if that is model of the year for me possibly mm. I haven't even painted her yet I haven't taken her off the sprue yet but that's because I'm intimidated <laughs> about what to do with it so yeah I, I'm yeah. I'm painting my Stormcast at the moment and they are really nice models to paint and I'm sort of I'm sort of doing all the base layers on all of them at the same time and I'm just looking forward to Indrasta quite a lot do you have the uh, clock going on those ones as well to compare it to the Nighthaunt? Uh, no, I don't actually, because I've been doing a lot of the painting for them um, with in a social in a social circle. So I don't it's because I, I I time my painting by how long the podcasts I listen to while painting are. So I don't have a actual time on them, unfortunately. I, I think that because we talked earlier about how many just how many releases we've had this year, and I think it's really quite interesting thing about this is probably only half of what they were planning for this year originally because there was so much disruption um because cursed city um i'm fairly certain that the sort of reliable um rumor speculation is it was supposed to be released in about october november 2019 not 2019 2020 sorry 
and was then delayed to this year and pushed to be much closer to the Soul Blight release. Um, and all those Soul Blight special characters, I'm almost certain, were originally supposed to be Curse City expansions, but because of all the disruption to Curse City and reproduction, that just got entirely pulled. And I think there's definitely things which are in the pipeline that we'll see over the next few years, which were originally intended for this year. But it has given us a chance to focus on things, I guess, as hobbyists. Like, you don't have to always be buying the new thing. You can be working on your own little projects. You can be finding fun 3D printers on like of, or exciting, strange indie projects and things like Turnip and Sludge and all those things coming out. Like, it, it's an exciting time where... In the if someone something like Games Workshop can't keep up with like your hobby lust, it's actually a time to like say, well, what can I do to keep myself entertained with all of these models? They can't be for nothing, and then start pulling it, doing your own thing almost. So I think it's really helped fuel a lot of that personally, and I think that's great. There's also if this if really they are did only release fifty to seventy percent of what they had originally planned on releasing this year. Oh my god, what would a normal 2021 have looked like in terms of hobbyist wallets? Games Workshop being able to even fit all their products into the average Warhammer store, which isn't a very big store space when you look at them. I actually think, if anything, I'm looking at at the Sunday previews and going, they could probably slow down for 2022 and just like... (laughs) take it easy on everyone and just be like okay we'll release 75 percent of what we did in 2021 it will still keep people busy and then in 2023 we'll have another because i'm looking how can you possibly maintain this like it's kind of like how people were a little bit worried of this and they did actually roll back that people were a little bit worried of oh we had uh i can't remember the order of the first two but we had mortarian magnus and goleman in a relatively short space of time and people were like, oh, are they going to run out of Primarchs to release? And the answer is no, because they just stopped. Yeah, I mean, in terms of release pace, I think we're going to see this sort of pace for the foreseeable future because the thing to remember is that the current releases that are hitting us now are probably all things that were still designed as tail end of 2019 at the latest, mm-hmm. just, because of, just because of production time and the sort of release pipeline that games workshop has so we're going to in the next couple of years start getting the point where their ability to sculpt stuff was much more curtailed because of not being able to actually go into the sculpting studios so i think they can't go any faster but this is in in fact this is in fact why their current competition to win a year's worth of warhammer of every release is a threat (laughs) to the people buying from the web store they call it a competition it's a threat I suppose that that um, brings us actually quite neatly onto our plans for next year. I mean, obviously, my plan is to win the competition and be and drown under a pile of sprues. What are people's plans for their hobby next year? I actually, I want to finish a bunch of smaller forces because yes, I have some Space Marines and I have Goblin Gits, which I want to expand on and build up into a proper AOS army. But I've realised that other than those two, both of which are ideas I quite love. I don't necessarily know if I want other armies, or at least I don't want to be planning those armies. So I have an idea for some trench-themed Chaos Space Marines. 
um, and cultists for a kill team. So three basically berserkers and eight horrible trench golems. I have an idea for um, a Necromunda Book of the Outcast gang themed around a fallen noble house who are who are basically just like they still have all the cool stuff but they're also all either very very old or very very inbred because they refuse to integrate with the people around them because they're a noble house they don't deal with scavs and scummers um, and I'm going to give them all names like Augustus and Leopold um, I probably I want to get forgotten the 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 probably release of the year was probably the underhive market to be honest. If That's I'm true. Sure. It is yeah. the most playset of the year. Yes, oh, and I do love the playset energy of it. It's that is very satisfying. I, um, I built mine the other week. It's so good. Tiny coffee cups. <laughs> uh, okay, so in keeping with that, I have a really dumb idea. I want to collect a sort of black denim goth themed orlock gang and name them entirely out of characters from the very bad 1990s part CGI transforming vehicles TV show Vampires, the TV show about vampires who are cars, possibly starring Gary Oldman under a pseudonym. That's a real TV show, and I'm going to name all of my Orlock gangers after characters from that. That's an incredible deep cut. I know. I only found out because it got mentioned on a podcast. <laughs> not 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 even an old fan from from when it came out. No, but the names are good. The names are very good Necromunda names. I will I will not spoiler them now, but you could probably look them up on Wikipedia if you're curious. But that is one of my plans for next year. I just want to have a bunch of little gangs. Yeah, I mean, until you said about the vampires, um, bit, I was saying, have you been reading my show notes? Because that's pretty much exactly <laughs> what I was going to say about my plans for next year as well. That. I just want to get into the skirmish games more. Throughout this segment, we've been talking a lot about the small-scale games, the, both the Games One's Games Workshop producers and things like Sludge and Turnip. And I, I have armies. I quite enjoy playing them. It's, it's very satisfying to have a complete army. But there's so many good skirmish games now that Kill Team, Warcry, Necromunda, Underworld, they're all small projects, which I really love the models for. And I want to just take the time to actually complete a few of them next year, I think. And I haven't gone quite so far as working out which um, bit of random 90s culture to name them after myself. I should, will have to go and search for it to find what, find one so that we can have a, ne- a rollout of Necromunda all based on the 90s, as is right and proper. But there's so many nice things there. And I can think, oh, I, I can try this out. And... Um, try out this game, and then I've got this game. I can play it, and I've got all. I've got. I think I've got all of the Warcry Warbands they've released, for example, which I just want to paint up and and do something with. And that always gives me an excuse to make, paint the terrain for it as well, which is beautiful stuff. And so I think it's. I've been saying this for a few years now. To be fair, that this is the year I'm going to get start getting more into skirmish gaming, but. That is the plan once I've finished the various army projects I've got going on. Um, I mean, I'll just quickly mention one of those army projects is, going back to the start of the podcast, I'm planning to do my speed painting again in January with some Necrons, and a. I have a lava-based colour scheme for them, 
um, as if they basically their, their their tomb complex got slightly flooded with lava. It was a bad time for all involved, and they are now quite pissed off. So I've got a nice color scheme for them, a sort of glowing lava out of the bodies and stuff. But beyond that, I'm not sure I'll be picking up another army. Um, and I'll be sort of going, right, okay, here's a nice small project to do. I'll just paint a few Underworld Warpants. I'll paint a kill team and some Warcry. And so there's a little bit of Necromunda as a treat. Sounds good. I think I'm going to be doing the same thing. I don't want to be buying that much more stuff, he says, unless it's more terrain. I've got so many little projects, which are ones which I'm still, like, got that hobby viv about. I, I want to be still doing them. And sometimes the reason why I'm not doing them is that I'm paralyzed about which one I actually want to continue doing. I think trolls and trogs, etc., has really got me excited right now. So I'm definitely going to be painting more of my uh, Gloom Spike gits, which I actually started with one of the battle forces last year or the year before, technically. It's a 2019, or no, yeah, it was the 2020, one of them. Well, anyway, one of the battle forces, which came out at the end of last year. That's it. 2020 was last year. That's how time works. Citation needed. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I, w- I would love to be getting on with things like that, but also I would like to continue getting on with Dominion. I would like to just get that box painted as just like a, I got the box done and that's it, and just play the game with what came out of the box as, you know, as yep. just a fun project. Uh, and yeah, Custodies, the new Codex is coming out. I actually painted some recently and they've been sitting on my shelves as half painted for ages and you don't have to paint that many of them, so surely should be easy. Then there's all those drawers of Space Marines I still have. Like, oh no, there's too much hobby. Uh, so I really should not be buying any more hobby. But yes, I do think I'm going to probably in the next year find some weird hobby thing like Sludge or something. In fact, while we're recording, I started looking at the Sludge rule set and going, ooh, maybe. Maybe that's a good idea. So yeah, we'll see. I'm just going to keep on at my own pace, though. I think that's one thing I'm probably going to do. There's no events to paint for. There's no reason to other just keep going really i'm going to say something very dangerous to you james Uh-oh. joseph mccullough the designer behind frostgrave and stargrave has released a new napoleonic dark fantasy skirmish game called the silver bayonet about teams of monster hunters hunting down monsters in the french and german forests of a dark fantastical napoleonic war god damn it why would you do this to me? It's called the Silver Bayonet. It looks brilliant. It's basically, it's it's sludge meets one of those cool asymmetric shooters that were all the fad about six years ago and none of them quite took off. Or no, it's worse. It's sludge meets um, Hunt Showdown. Oh, you monster. Mm. With that, I'm going to have to ask you to leave the property. Why, those were some very handsome opinions which we just had there. The rest of us also caught up with other members of our community. So I'm going to hand straight over to uh, Drew. Who did you have a catch up with earlier this week? So the first chat I had with folks was it was just myself and John who's written quite a few articles for the site so but hadn't been on the pod before so it's uh familiar from the the writing but not as a familiar voice so yeah me and John had a 
catch up much like you did James where we sort of went through how the year had been for us Joining me today is John, who is a new voice to the podcast, but has contributed quite a lot to the Tiny Plastic People website, so you should be familiar with his work, if not his voice. Hello, John. Hello, Drew. Uh, yeah, I'm John, uh, and since this is my intro, then a bit background. So I started gaming in the 90s when I was a teenager, like many people, kind of left the hobby for a bit and got back into it, I think. About a year after iOS was released, uh, ostensibly under the pretense that it was for my son, and then over the course of, of years, I've given up that pretense now. It's a good excuse. <laughs> I, I kept on over it. I mean, to be honest, I keep on trying, and yesterday he did finally build his Snotling Blood Bowl team that I got him in about March, so yeah, there's not no interest, but yeah. <laughs> less less than your less than your interest less I mean, than mine. Yeah. It, it's quite a good excuse because i always find that uh when i'm talking to people about the hobby and stuff is that invariably it's you know if, if the people who are not in not, not engaged in the hobby themselves is that they say oh my my kid does that or the the worst one is i think is my kid used to do that and uh <laughs> you're like well yes i'm late 30s and i, I still do it so uh yeah, I've discovered that he's, he's started sharing my Instagram account with his friends now as well. So maybe, I don't know whether that's a good or bad thing, but uh, yeah, it's certainly something. <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I look forward to the idea that sort of my siblings who have children is that when their children become old enough to, to get into Warhammer, is that Christmas and birthday presents will suddenly become an, an awful lot easier to, to choose. Whereas, you know, these days having to know about things is makes it far harder so uh yeah if you're already there that, that sounds excellent that's it that's it we're recording on a sunday afternoon so i don't have any festive mulled wine or you know uh eggnog um I, I, disappointingly i should have been prepared and got some mince pies but uh if we want to sort of try and capture some of the christmas spirit or new year spirit i think we're gonna have a bit of a look back at the year and things that were sort of stood out to us in the hobby and um yeah what sort of our, our, our high points were do you want to sort of start then john just from a sort of personal point of view what was your your painting modeling hobby highlight of the year yeah so uh, it's actually something that i only finished um uh, week or two back actually uh so fairly recent in my mind but when i was thinking through what i'd done this year and what i was proudest of uh, it's probably that. So I, it was my first sort of big conversion. So uh, with the new Warcry release with the Spider People, I was quite enamoured of that idea. Mm-hmm. I had some spare Mutalith Vortex piece bits, and I had the random thought of, I wonder whether I could put those onto an Arachnorot Spider somehow. Uh, so it's the first time I've really sort of just bought a kit just to splice up to use with the Arachnorot. Um, I've got lots of little tiny goblin archers now as well hanging around, which I'm sure I'll find are useful. Um, and yeah, very scary moments of chopping a lot of plastic off and hoping to God that the, everything worked size-wise. Um, and yeah, and it seemed to do. I just, before I did any sawing, I was holding pieces next to each other and hoping mm-hmm. and trying to work it out. And uh, and yeah, it didn't take too much 
green stuff either on on holes and uh, I mean I think I've done a, a reasonable paint job on it so I think um, including a bit of OSL blown up from the the ground uh, on the base so um, so for a number of reasons of the conversion side I think that's my proudest moment um, on the painting side I, I think it's it's one of my best minis this year as well um, so uh, so all those reasons really i think that's my hobby highlight yeah i remember seeing some pictures of it it looks uh i think it's always a good sign where the conversion looks like a like it came as a kit as it were you know like it's it's all one thing together um yeah and that certainly has that kind of i mean as as much as a kind of freaky spider beast can look sort of uh like it all belongs together um, yeah, it's quite horrific looking actually. When I thought it through, it was like, oh yeah, it's going to look disgusting, and I'm not not necessarily usually doing that with my models, but yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> why not? It's a it's a bit of inspiration actually for something I'm going to talk about later. But it, I think the Mutalist kit is quite quite an interesting kit, and I, I don't know, maybe other people do see it more, but it's certainly not something that I see built or played with quite a lot. Um, so certainly it is an interesting, diverse section of bits. Yeah, so and I had a bit of an... Because I bought one in the year. Um, the, obviously, it's a dual kit with a slaughter brute. Um, and unfortunately, I got two of the... One of the sprues instead of both sprues. So I got sent a whole extra box. So I had all these extra mutilift parts, effectively, mm-hmm. um, which is why I had it. But... Equally, what I decided at the time was to just try and um, magnetise the heads and the various bits so that I could run it as Eva uh, and tried to paint it. And I just hated it. I absolutely hated it. I couldn't get the paint job right to work with all the different bits and the two right. styles of miniature. Yeah. Um, I was never really happy. I, I, and, and the kit itself, I, the, the main slaughter brute base, I did, in, or mutilist base, I, actually when I was painting it, I wasn't really keen on actually how it presented itself as a model so doing something like this i'm actually far happier with the the mutilist that i've got now that i can run that one uh, and i'll probably at some point just strip the slaughter brute paint it as a slaughter brute so i can really at least be happier that it, it matches that and just leave it as the slaughter brute so yeah, yeah. And it fits quite well into forces you've already got then it's so it's not a, just a sort of standalone monster for war cry um yeah I, I primarily i've got um chaos aos stuff so i've got primarily safe to darkness and corn and a little bit of zen stuff so uh, zinch so i can fit it into safe to darkness or or the zinch side really it's easily it's uh yeah like i say it's, it's definitely impressive what we'll have to do is uh dig out your instagram page for it and uh i'm gonna make sure that's in the show notes so i think it's quite a good thing to see um i was just gonna ask you what was yours Hobby highlight. Um, I, well, we were just talking before we started recording that it's hard to remember, particularly with the years like they have been. I, I, scanning back through Instagram, um, I haven't painted that much, or certainly not that much compared to what I, I normally do. Um, and I was trying to think then. I've done some Titanica stuff, which I quite liked it was a sort of different scheme to my usual titanica stuff and it, it is sort of quite bold and attractive but i think if i was going to have to say sort of as a, as a highlight like you say you know combined all the different uh 
potential ways to score the model is it's probably the is it the Terrorgeist? I keep calling it sort of just a, a, oh. a dragon, um, but the yeah for the the vampires, Age of Sigma vampires. It was it's absolutely amazing the way you've done the lighting on that model is absolutely fantastic. Um, it just looks so menacing to and and there's such a, an evil presence about it, sort of flowing up from the ground it's it's incredible it's very kind to say thank you yes it's certainly probably the most complicated thing i've done from a lighting point of view um and i you know for those who don't know the terror guys kit it's kind of like a a skeletal dragon that's sort of squatting kind of like a giant bat on on all fours um so it's quite it's quite complicated from a sort of model point of view it's it's quite like a cage almost to try and get in and paint around um and i decided that i wanted i'm doing my entire sort of vampire force as this sort of force at night but to give them some interest there's this sort of glowing pink lighting coming off the ground for for all of them it's vaguely inspired by the um the total war uh, games, the Warhammer Total War games, yeah. where the vampires have that kind of corruption they spread into the land. So the idea that the vampires themselves have kind of poisoned the land to so these sort of weird pink glowing bits, which just conveniently mean that I can put fancy lighting on the models. Um, and it was, yeah, certainly a challenge to paint. Um, both the scheme that I chose, but also the, the model that I chose it for, um, because it is so spindly and like a kind of odd cage. Was there lots of sort of reaching a dry brush through to try and do some OSL on the inside of the cage or yes I left I think I super glued the wings on when I did all my initial priming and they did all the the initial main work with the wings on and then because they're super glued I could crack them off and then it's only sat on its back legs and I had a chance to get in and start painting it up properly and then I put the wings back on and um, and then finish the final stages there. Um, and I'd also kind of copied this scheme on the wings, and I can't remember the the woman's name. She's a Polish painter, and she's very good, and if I could remember her name, I'd probably make a terrible job uh, pronouncing it. But she does these very striking kind of dragons and demons with a kind of... It's almost like a sort of cellular pattern across the wings, and... Um, that was what I was trying to sort of replicate, and I don't know. It was an added level of complexity, which I possibly—I don't think I'll do it on any of the other vampires. Certainly, um, but it's it's good to try stuff like that and push it, isn't it? I mean, um, it it and, is, and particularly yeah. your showcase model, like like your Terrorgeist is. Um, you know, it's. Going that extra mile just makes it that much more special when it's done. Yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, like you say, it's it's a big model, and I don't really want to do that much lighting on a sort of horde of sort of skeletons and things. So if I can have them quite muted, and then yeah, the lighting show up for the force on the big models, it, it hopefully it will work. But it what it has done is it took me, I think, a reasonably intensive two months, maybe three months to paint it, and. um it kind of sort of torpedoed the rest of my vampire army because I was like, oh, I just don't want to. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> it's like it's because it's I've built 
and I built quite a complicated base for oh, I can't remember her name. Is it Luca Vi? The the dragon vampire. The the sort of new oh. dragon vampire things they have, which is like you know, half dragon, half vampire. Yeah, I can't remember the name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the weird centaur things. Yes, that's yeah. the one. So I've I've modelled her up and I spent a lot of time green stuffing candles and things. So I've given her quite a kind of uh, a bloodborne style base because she's perched on a ruin anyway um and then i built kind of a hill for her to stand on and now i just look at it and i'm like oh it's gonna be awful to paint and i just don't feel like i want to because not only has it got pink under lighting to match the rest of the army but i've now put a load of different candles on it so it's like (laughs) they don't all have to be lit (laughs) no no i suppose not um she sat on my mantelpiece just sort of hiding hiding away from my paint table these days because i, I want to paint and obviously it's the you know the height that's the other sort of um center point for that army but it's uh intimid- intimidating myself with my, <laughs> with the scheme that i'd set up so yes We'll see. we'll see. One day, one day, you'll just go. Do you know what? I'm taking it down. I'm going to get started, and that'll be it. That's it. It's, it's what I need to do. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, just, yeah, just once you get going, and then in in three months' time, I might have finished it. So well, I look forward to seeing some photos as it as it gets done, or when it's done. Yes. What, you well, post any any work in progress, but yeah, that'll be fantastic. Hopefully, be hopefully be it, and get actually maybe, maybe I should just start that this afternoon. Just get some base paints down, yeah. So, it's been a funny year for actually playing games, for meeting human beings. But what would you have you have you had any game or event highlights of the year? Uh, you know, potentially, I suppose it's things that you haven't attended and stuff you've just seen online, because obviously a lot of stuff has moved online these years. Yeah, I, I haven't been to any events. I've, I've played game, a few games with family and, and local friends. But uh, so when I was thinking about this, I actually think. It was Warhammer Day that I class as the my big game event highlight of the year. Um, mm-hmm. When I was thinking about it through, it was it was quite a strange one. I think um, normally because I'm not a 40k player, uh, I've dipped into Kill Team this year and I've just bought uh, an Aeronautica Imperialis set and I've got a few issues of Imperium, so I'm beginning to sort of head into that direction but i'm not generally a 40k player so a lot of the times when there's been these big events in the past a good chunk of it hasn't necessarily been as relevant to me but i think um the warmer day this year i think um there was the really cool vampire lady that they announced as a special thing miniature for the event a couple of weeks before oh yes yeah yeah the one which then you could do a baby dragon which (laughs) everyone seemed to want to do um so and even though i I haven't got any vampires. It was like, oh yes, that looks like a fun model to to get. Uh, I have to admit, there's been a couple of vampires this year that inspired. And then, obviously, we started with the silhouettes, and the silhouettes looked like some of them looked quite interesting. And um, and we knew that the war cry was coming because there'd been some announcements and things like that. And then, you know, to me, it was quite. A short event, unlike some of the other reveals where it's at the end of a day, over a weekend, we just had sort of an hour and a half solid of just reveal, 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 reveal. Um, and most of those reveals were, were 
really brilliant. There was something for everyone, I think. Um, but particularly for me, I was quite excited by quite a few things. So, I, yeah, not as bothered about Shadow Throne, but loved the special miniatures for it, that Dune's um, Cultist. There was that new uh, Maggotkin Sorcerer, and announcing the maggot king, the the pretty fly for the blight guy. I can't remember who made that joke first, but yeah. Um, Dungeon Bowl is a surprise thing, which just uh, I haven't bought it yet because I've been buying a lot lately, so need to save some funds. But absolutely, that'll be something uh, for next year. The Warcry reveal that terrain. That was the first time we saw all the terrain that was coming with it. Uh, that mining set. Um, so that oh, was was that then i totally yeah track of time yeah that's that was impressive yes so i was already like looking through going oh my god look at that terrain those mining sets and i've got that i've um i've based all the terrain i haven't uh i've done a couple of pieces but i haven't managed to finish very much of it uh but it is it's a it's a huge <laughs> amount of stuff in that box it's far more generous than the original starter set i mean obviously you're paying a bit more than that was but um yeah and then there was the ogre pirate um and there was jagged icon for horus heresy and then there was a announcement for the red gobbo christmas miniature there was just everything was uh just brilliant reveals and like i say i think the way that they did it just the short here's a special thing we've got yeah. special miniatures i thought they did quite a, a good, really good job so it was a very exciting sort of day um so yeah that was that was my event i think it was impressive. I, I hadn't realised um, that it was that so much had come out in that that day until you'd said it. Um, and I do remember now. Yeah, it, it was it was quite um, quite concentrated. Really, it was a sort of a a lot of stuff um, for a lot of different systems. And I, I never, I don't remember Dungeon Bowl at all. But uh, I mean, people like to try and predict what GW are coming out with and stuff, and then they can continually come out with stuff that is just so. I don't know, weird and wonderful that you're just like, oh yeah, it's a game from the mid '90s that you know. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, it's like Man of War came back now or something. It's sort <laughs> yeah. of, um, it, it really could be anything. Yeah, tiny ships with little paper sails. There we go. Uh, yeah, good old days. <laughs> what about yourself, Drew? What was your hobby highlight event? Yeah, um, I was thinking about this. I have an in-person one, so uh, obviously I've, like like I think like everyone, I've not got a lot of games in um, this year. But um, what I did spend a lot of lockdown doing was kind of getting into Horus Heresy. Um, and I started the Dark Angel Army from, from scratch, basically, and sort of... St- watched a lot of battle reports on Horus Heresy and things and sort of played a couple of test games with myself and then um, I think it might be talked about on one of the pods oh no we talked about it on one of the pods we did an entire Horus Heresy special pod yep. based off the back of it um, but a few of us met up at Warhammer World and got to play sort of Horus Heresy you know, people like me who'd also picked up or dropped into Horus Heresy during the lockdown um, got to meet up and just yeah got some got some heresy done and i think it was it might have been on the sunday of that weekend where i played uh other pod host rich um 
and it was his Iron Warriors versus my Dark Angels, and it kind of felt like a kind of completion of of the sort of I don't want to say completion of the painting journey because half of my stuff wasn't painted by that point, but a completion of the journey of getting into heresy, really. And although I'd played some games earlier in the day or earlier in the weekend, they'd very much been learning games, and, and that game felt like we were both playing a full game, it was very close, and we were doing the things that our respective armies should be doing. I don't, I don't know, I just it's games like that that I really, I really kind of live for, I think, where... You know, everything just feels like the mind's eye picture, I suppose. You know, like a sort of Siege of Terror book where there's Marines and Terminators and you've know, got land raiders disgorging squads into sort of, sort of brutal fire and then charging home and things. And it, it just felt right and it felt like that. Um, and it really sold heresy on me as well, I suppose. Um, so yeah, I think that was probably my high point. And then, you know, as a as a close second, we had another meetup um with the sort of role models community uh in in Bathgate later on in the year, middle of November, and we had quite a big sort of heresy day of that as well, and that again was just sort of a really good feeling of I don't know, I, I just I, I like heresy now. It's like, you know, I, I thought I I thought I would do when I started painting it up, but then it's it's weird to kind of commit to an army project without ever having played the game, and then to to find that it is this sort of very interesting rule set. I mean, it's not necessarily the sort of tightest rule set in the world, but I mean, I'm, I'm going to go off into a heresy tangent, which is just go and go and listen to the heresy podcast instead. Um, so yes, I'll, I'll I'll finish there and just say yeah, th- those that game with Rich, I think was my game of the year and uh, then a close second the the big heresy sort of three aside or whatever it was that we had uh in in bathgate with the role models community it was uh good times excellent it's um it looks really sort of i, I mean the pictures from the the warmer world one particularly with all the scenery in the background it was really evocative and um we were talking just before the pod. I, I really like in in it keeping the destroyed vehicles in place in situ. It makes it look like it's a battlefield. I know people, some people do like cotton wool and stuff to smoke and things like that. And it just, um, yeah, it just adds another layer to it that um, the other systems don't have in terms of that. And I think, like you say, it helps root you into the game uh, or the appearance from the outside. Is it? it it's a a really nice mechanic to root you into it in your mind. Yeah, no, exactly. It's it's certainly what I used to do a lot when I used to play games and things, you know, back in second edition and stuff. And I I think in second, the vehicles might have stayed in too. But, you know, the idea that you are affecting the battlefield and it's it's very narrative, I suppose, is the way of looking at it. Um, So, yes... Yeah, no, it's uh, it was is definitely it was very nice, nice sort of combination of of everything there. Um, we've kind of touched on this um, a bit, maybe in your kind of highlights of the year, but obviously we've had quite a lot of things teased this year, and also quite a lot of releases this year. Um, would you say you've? Is there anything really stood out for you? Your, what's your favourite release? Yeah, so I I actually got it last week. Uh, and and 
and built it. So um, that's probably where I've cemented this thought of my favourite release from the year. So it has been. There's been an awful lot, but also with the nature of the world this year, I think there's been quite a long lead time sometimes between things being announced and actually being available. And, and so some of the stuff that was revealed halfway through the year is only just sort of be coming out now. Um, which is very strange, but um, and I'm going to pronounce this wrong because it's an impronounceable name. But uh, I'm going with the Blood Bowl Skylar Anfingrim model. Sounds like a good good attempt at pronouncing it. Well, yeah, until someone you know listens to it in a Black Library audio book or something, and it's completely off. But yeah, um, and the reason why it's 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 obviously it's a Forgewood model, so it's it's resin, which I do hate working with resin. I, I just yeah, I don't like. Super glue sticks incredibly well to your fingers and not to the miniatures uh, and holding things in place. But the reason why I think it's my favourite miniature for the year is because I think it epitomises Blood Bowl and, and probably a lot of GW uh, in the fact that you've got this incredibly kinetic ball of muscle and sinew with arms and legs poking out in all different directions, barely touching the ground. It's just balanced on one hand and the tip of a tail. And it's obviously it's a monstrous figure with claws and horns and all sorts and big teeth. It's going to do some damage, so it's the grim side of the hobby. And then it's wearing football shorts, football socks, and it's pushing down on this elf. So that this elf has got these big bulging cheats through all the air, all the wind being knocked out of it in just the level of silliness that is Blood Bowl, quite frankly. Uh, and whereas a lot of the Blood Bowl miniatures snotlings sort of aside um, but a lot of them are very po-faced and the silliness is in the game I think there's a lot of inherent silliness in that model which just symbolises the game to me yeah, so, yeah. I'd forgotten about the elf being being squashed it's, uh, yeah you're, you're right it's, it's, a, it's a very kind of strange model in some ways but it really does capture that kind of uh, kind of cartoonishness I suppose the sort of blood bowl uh, really, kind of over the top details, and um, yeah, like you say, it's it's a it's a giant hell demon, but it it's still got its 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 football gear on. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, I mean, the two things which really amazed me when I got it was uh, one that elf head is a separate part, so you could just mount it on a, <laughs> a random model. <laughs> That'd be hilarious for a conversion opportunity. And then the other thing is, um, so Blood Bowl, if people don't know, you get special bases, slaughter bases, even though quite a lot of the figures now don't fit into the slots anymore But and they all have a hole for the ball and usually with the big guy figures forward to a big guy figures you get a larger base but you can drill through, there's slots for where the ball can go and you can pick and this one, the base that arrives is just your standard GW base there's no pretense that this character is going anywhere near the ball other than to knock it out of someone else's hand. He's not going to score a touchdown. <laughs> He's just here for the violence. And it was just a nice little touch. Uh, plus then I don't have to fill the base. <laughs> fill the slot hole. Yeah. It's a win-win. Yeah. What about you, Drew? What was your uh, release of the year? I struggle to remember what came out this year. Um, thinking about it now, and maybe to have the pretense that we're not solely a games workshop podcast i think infamy infamy by the two fat lardies came out 
at the start of the year. If, if it didn't come out at the start of the year, it was I think it was just the back end of last year. And that's their Roman rule set. Um, and I picked it up around the summer, I think. And I, I have a sort of difficult relationship with historicals. I kind of like some elements of them, but I do feel a bit squeamish, I suppose, about playing the... Uh, the real world aspect of it um with a lot of sides you know involved in in various historical games but romans certainly are, are far enough back in time that they're just like fantasy creatures you know um and i don't you know 2000 years is, is long enough for me to to lose my squeamishness so it's 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 a historical game it's it's very kind of rank and sort of flank to some degree but it's it's very simple compared to a lot of historical games. Um, so I kind of got quite keen on that. And it's it's miniature agnostic, really. So you can play at any scale that you want within limits. So I've picked that up at 15 mil, or I've bought the rules and I've bought separate 15 mil models to go with it. And it's quite nice to just look at terrain on the 15 mil scale and look at armies on a 15 mil scale. So... I think that's certainly, I'd have to say a highlight, as in it's it's somewhere that I think I might spend more of my hobby time these days. Um, now, I was going to just ask, are you Romans, or are you primarily be barbarians, or are you going to flip, uh, between, flip them between them, or? I think, is the idea. And, and the advantage of being 15 mil is that you can buy, it, it's not a huge army game it's not like um some historicals where you're recreating the entire battle of of waterloo or anything it's um you don't need that many units but i bought in metal i bought uh what 15 mil barbarians and 15 mil romans and it was like 100 quid for the entire army for both sides and the other thing is i don't know anyone else who plays in for me so it made a sense to buy both armies and i can you know people can just play with me or I can trick people into playing with me. Yeah. Is it, because I've not heard of it at all, so I'm just looking at it now. So, force of around 50 figures. So, is it sort of two, three hour game, is it? Or yeah, it, it can be very short. Um, the the two fat lardies, when they do their, their games all have a kind of common design element, which is that they're, they're very command focused and your officers on the table matter a lot and force morale matters a lot. So it isn't just individual unit morale, it's the morale of your forces. Um, and quite often the games finish not by destroying the opponent, it's by routing them as an army. Um, so if you go very aggressive very early... Um, they can be very short games if they go wrong for you. And it's one of the interesting things about Infamy, more so than any of the other games that they've released, is that Infamy is very asymmetric on the play style, that Romans are very, very effective soldiers. They are very resilient and they can react literally break the game turn and react to enemy attacks because of their discipline whereas barbarians play in a very flexible way and they don't deploy normally they deploy from ambush points and they control the terrain and they're relying on really singling the romans out trying to break units off and 
sort of harry and skirmish to, to to win there so it's very different to anything else i play and uh, yeah like you say it, the length of the games is about two to three hours but it can be very much on the short side of that or very much on the long side of that depending on how cagey you want to be um and one of the other things with it is that you have uncertain control it isn't like a you know games workshop war game where you're like oh well i'll just move all my units uh, all the two fat lardies games you have control uncertainty so you in this one in some of the other ones it's dice based in this one particularly it's it's uh, card based and you deal out the unit activations from a deck of cards so the romans might get to activate three units and the barbarians might get to activate just one in a in a turn and the number of the unit which activates is defined by the cards that are dealt out so you might want to ambush with your you know barbarian leader with his elite troops but if his number doesn't come up you don't get the chance to do that Oh, no. oh, I feel like uh, I would always be pulling the wrong cards out of the deck <laughs> if I was playing that. It sounds like, sorry, again, I'm just looking. It, it says it's like the first volume in a series of three parts covering different bits of Rome's Wars. So uh, so some expansions and hopefully some interesting new dynamics with the different armies that you'll be able to yeah. field against them. It, it's certainly well. all, in the core book, it's all the, the Northern European stuff so i've built my army as britons who are quite different from the others of northern european armies and obviously romans fought well everyone who existed at that time in the kind of you know (laughs) any direction that you can go from rome so i could certainly imagine there's plenty of room for expansion in a well they've gone north so in a south east and west direction (laughs) um yeah and then that was the other release i really liked our I can't remember if both of them came out this year, but it's the big uh, Warmaster Titans that came out for Titanicus. The Iconoclast certainly came oh. out this year. Um, and they're just huge, ridiculous robots. And I'm totally on board with that. And the uh, the idea as well of the Iconoclast, which is like a close combat, huge, ridiculous robot, is my ideal for impracticality. Uh, I, um, I was very big into epic as a teenager that was my main game and the warlord titles in that were what about 10 centimeters tall these are huge yeah compared no, to like, that, likewise i was a, a, a big epic kid um and yeah they're, they're just massive now and then the detail is so good it's like i've got the old epic stuff kicking it around somewhere and it's like not not that i'd use the models in titanicus but i've considered using them for basing and things but they just look so different you know style of of detail and things in the old metal it's uh it's just so impressive what they could do now and the idea that if you could show them to yourself back in the 90s it would just blow your mind what what was possible yeah they um yeah they, all those titans they they give me major nostalgia and, and i do think about it and then i I go, no, I don't need another system. I don't need another system. So, you know, as we come to the end of the year, I don't know if you're someone who plans ahead or someone who just dives in, but uh, what are you thinking for 2022? you have anything? Uh, <laughs> sort of. Uh, so I realised how many work-in-progress models I've got at the moment. I've been... keep on getting distracted, so I'll half finish a model and then or a unit and then I'll something else will come up that I need to paint quickly or 
just get more inspired by. So I've, I've got close to a hundred, I think, at the moment, where I've I've painted to various degrees. Some of which I've painted that long ago. Now I'd probably just want to strip them and start again, rather than try and paint finish off a a less good paint job than I can do now. So certainly a chunk of the year I need to finish stuff that I've got, basically. Um, but apart from that, I'm sort of eyeing up something else in AOS. Um, I'd like if Chorfs did get revealed, Demon Engines. I did quite like the Demon Engine aesthetic. I've almost bought a couple of 40k Demon Engine stuff just to mm-hmm. paint anyway, and then sort of steered away going, no, no, no. It's not quite what you're after, and you're not. Uh, you, you wouldn't use it. But if they if they don't come soon, <laughs> I'll probably dip into there and just get a couple of models just to paint. Um, or the Shadow Elves, if they come out, it might be quite nice. But if uh, if we get to the middle of the year and there's no sort of sniff of either of those, and I've cleared a chunk of my backlog, then it's probably going to be something troggy gittish. Because um, I've really enjoyed. I've got a Gits Warband for. Um, Warcry, um, they're overpowered in Warcry, so I don't tend to play with them anymore. But they've been really fun to paint. Um, and I got a little Goblin Fanatic, which I think is probably my favourite model that I've ever, uh, in terms of painting it. So, yeah, possibly possibly go down to some Gits. Um, the I, I do like Gits, certainly. Uh, they are uh, they are a good, a, a good character for Force again, I suppose. It's like you're talking about stuff before with Blood Bowl, it's like... Gits have a lot of personality in their models. Yeah, yeah. And um, in a similar vein, there's the Snotling Warband, uh, Snotling Blood Bowl team. For, uh, it's just, they're so happy. <laughs> they're yeah. just so happy. One's got a frying pan just on a pump wagon with a big grin on his face. One's about to throw a fungus with a big grin on his face. And you know that painting them will make you happy as well because they're very simplistic miniatures. You don't have to do a lot, um, but you can add a lot of colour and just do something easy and get a little finished goblin that will look fantastic so yeah yes no exactly um for me uh, i have a lot of projects on the go and i do enjoy dipping in and out of things but I, i think certainly as a plan on paper that i have decided to commit to and whether this survives because of contact with the hobby table i don't know but it could have almost, you know, to go full circle is a freaky, big, weird demon things in a mutilit <laughs> something beast, certainly. I, I want to do a, a Runestorm demon army for heresy. Um, I'd, I'd like a an evil army, I'm sorry, a, a traitor army, uh, evil being a bit subjective in heresy that everyone's awful, but uh, undisputably <laughs> the baddies by a factor of 10. Uh, army certainly on the, the you know something something on to, to be on side with horus and um i like um word bearers and i like uh sons of horus but having painted a lot of power armor already i'm thinking runestorm demons is the way i want to go and i don't know how much you know about the runestorm demons in heresy but they're very much not 40k demons it expressly says there are you know there's no gods 
it's all because in the heresy no one knew what the warp was they didn't understand demons and they aren't defined in a kind of definitive way there's there's hints of the forces that they belong to and the sort of the, the you know the different godly allegiances but they aren't defined um and what the actual army says is here are the base sizes whatever you want can go on those bases and the stats are entirely flexible well the stats aren't entirely flexible the the loadouts per thing are entirely flexible uh, and you just build your own army so it's encouraging that it is all kind of converted and kit bashed and weird wow i yeah i've seen some of the the forgewood runestone demon models um which i thought were really interesting i i, I have to say i thought they were corn related when i saw those so maybe it's those there's uh, three brutes which are the kind of middleweight demons bodyguards of the bigger demons but yeah they're the only ones that actually are identified as it were but no they they don't have keyword corn or anything they you can run them as whatever you like so it's a choose your own gribble monster exactly yeah Uh, there's definitely going to be a mutilist something in there um (laughs) i've started doing one test model on that to see if i had a scheme that worked because i I didn't want to do a god-based scheme and obviously you know certain colors are very much loaded in in the sort of the law as it were Uh, so i wanted to look different i want to try something pale so i've started doing that i can't remember what his name is or its name is but the sort of uh corn's favorite doggo the three-headed one i've yeah uh, I've got, I've got him. I can see him. I've got mine just up in my sight, but I can't remember his name. It does okay. okay. Um, so I've, I filled in the corn symbols and I painted it up as a test model. Um, but I have sat next to my hobby desk is um, a Bellacore. Yes. Uh, so I'm going to do a, a big centerpiece heresy Bellacore conversion. Uh, I'll probably change the head, and I think everything else I'm going to leave as is. I mean that's I, I I it was a close contender for me for my hobby project for the year because I really enjoyed painting that model. I'd only recently painted the mm-hmm. old one uh, at the back end of last year, um, and then and then he gets announced. It's like oh, just done him, uh, but yeah, it's a fantastic model that and I can see that the nature of him being un, unaligned in, in effect is uh, to any of the gods would fit with that idea, and he's very bristling out of his armour in places. I think that would look cool. So, And I get the feeling from what you said before that the Runestone plays extremely differently to all the the other sort of Legion armies So, in Horus Heresy, so it's a different way to play Yes, very much so. Um, You know, they they are deliberately very weird and wonderful. And they have have certain things that I really like is that depending on how you choose your allegiances or they're sort of nominally god allegiances i suppose but they're not definitively them you set that for your army and it affects what abilities you can take and things but what it also says is that you can just change the objectives of missions and if you take the violence based one you can say oh what mission are we playing i'm not interested in playing that the mission i'm playing is just killing stuff and as long as things die in close combat it scores me victory points I don't care who's dying as long as someone is dying. Um, and I like sort of asymmetric play in armies. Um, 
I think any game where you're able to sort of choose the objectives to some degree about what you want to do always feels very kind of interesting, very theme to me. Um, so yeah, the option just to be like, yeah, we're demons. We don't follow the rules. We do a load of weird stuff. And you might want to guard this supply dump, but us, we just want to be freaky weirdos is uh, something I <laughs> yeah totally want to explore and uh, play with. Yeah, a bit of synergy there with the infamy, infamy with the two different, very different play styles yeah. as well. Yeah, um, I I do like that when you you're almost playing a completely different game to your opponent, and you're both trying to sort of interfere but do your own thing. Um, very different to just two people fighting over the same objective. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It does always seems a bit weird when you have games where it's yeah, like you say, if you've got a particularly flavoursome force, you're just like, why would my you know. I don't know, corn blood bastards want to, you know, defend three random points on the battlefield. Surely they just want to kill everyone. It's like, and the uh, yeah, and and when when the rules support the playstyle supports the way that the models sound like they should play, it all comes together nicely. Like you say, uh, within the the dissonance when. Well, maybe my corn forces, but I'm going to hang back behind this building, cowering and shooting, uh, rather than running forward, just because that would yes. win me the game. Not interested in that. Myself. No, it's <laughs> charge that forward. It. Play, play for theme. Excellent. Oh well, I think that's uh, that's a good selection of stuff, either from the year and then into next year. Um, I'd like to. Uh, I'll say thank you for joining me today, John. It's a good chance to talk through your highlights. Um, no, thank you for having me, Drew. Where can we find you if we want to see more of your projects? Uh, my very slowly projects and 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 not many work in progress. Um, Instagram, I'm wham underscore badger, and on Twitter, I'm at badger wham. Excellent. Well, people can check out there and see your freaky spider things and. Uh, all your all terrain projects and uh, work you've been doing with uh, Warcry. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you. It's good to speak. And uh, well, good luck with all the projects in the new year. Thank you, Drew. And good luck to you, Ruinstorm. I think it was sort of interesting and sort of telling from there from what we'd been talking about that the there was a sort of a shift in the back end of the year where we actually got to sort of play games in person and, and sort of meet up um and and i know for a fact that i i've talked about rich in the the section that he hasn't heard so uh i can Uh-oh. i can make it i can make it the glory of wraparound weird, podcasts no. yes exactly um but i was certainly talking about actually all of us were there at warhammer world for the horus heresy games that we had uh, and, yeah. and that was an, an, a nice point to uh to to see human beings face to face but also play games and you know maybe kind of live what we like to talk about in the podcast which is always this sort of thing that we're very much for sort of demonstrating i suppose and inspiring certain types of games and or you know playing games how you want to play them and things um have it your way yes 
the the three or other ways of playing. <laughs> three or possibly more. <laughs> it was nice to kind of start to feel, and we obviously do quite a lot with the 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 role models community as well, which you know are where we all met. Um, and we had a sort of meet up with them at the end of the year, but that was again a nice chance to meet a sort of very diverse section of people. And yeah, it's sort of playing the games that we want to play in the style that we want to play them, which is quite varied. Um, and it's a chance to do sort of different things with different people. Um, and I suppose is, you know, how we would like tiny plastic people to be is, you know, it's, it's a chance for lots of voices to come together and a big old cooking pot and make up something <laughs> sort of more more interesting yeah. than the sort of sole ingredients. Exactly. It's It was like a real highlight of the year to actually be able to get together with essentially our big hobby family and play some games. That was really lovely. And uh, probably like in a, in a year where I could travel very much, that was probably one the most amount of travel I did for one thing, and uh, was a, a really nice time. So, yeah, as we career into Christmas, yeah, yeah it's true. It seems like a distant memory again now, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It feels like it was ages ago. It was only last month, wasn't it? Was it last month? Yeah, it was. It was November. middle of November. Yeah, <laughs> so literally like a month ago, probably. I, I have to wait for Google to remind me of what happened last month. So, <laughs> yeah. We'll just wait for the next what happened on this day last year to roll around. Yeah. I'm already surprised at things which are appearing there. Okay, so thanks for joining us for part one of the Tiny Plastic People festive wrap-up. Our Santa sack is burgeoning with opinions and thoughts and takes from the last year, so much so we've had to split this into two parts. Join us again next time, where we'll be bringing this sleigh. No, this <laughs> don't start metaphors before you've thought about where they're going. Bring the sleigh. Bring the sleigh to, to the, the station. To the yeah. Why would you bring a sleigh to the harbour? Exactly. <laughs> okay, try that again. No, leave it. It's fine. The sleigh is in the harbour. We don't know why there's a sleigh there. It's sinking. It's sinking. The reindeer, they're drowning. Why would you kill Santa like this? So close. I can see the glowing red nose just drifting off under the water (laughs) like the end of Titanic. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again in the next part for even more gifts down your chimney. Thanks, Drew. Thanks, Audio James. gifts. Cheerio. <laughs>